Um, I was speaking to someone about this this morning, actually. It's really funny because he was saying, well, look, you've been doing, you've done four series of Spooks. It's called Spooks in the UK and it's called MI5 in America. Oh, okay. uh, and I think I've done four series. can't remember. But basically, <laughs> but the time scale for TV is so ridiculously crazy. Yeah, right. And in the UK, it's only eight episodes in a series, whereas uh-huh. in the States, I think it's like 26. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end, I mean, last year, I, say it was, I did Spooks from my Santa Monica studio, and it was, I think by the end of it, I had about three days to compose an entire episode. Wow. And that episode was, it's, in Spooks, it is wall-to-wall music. It's 58 minutes of solid stuff, and it's, fresh material, I hate reusing things left, mm-hmm. right, and centre. But I think the good thing about that is that you've already got your palette. I know that I'm using a whole load of drums, a whole load of beats, and a whole mm-hmm. load of sampled strings and stuff like that. So I know roughly which direction I'm going down. So although it's only three days, I'm really in the zone. I know exactly what's happening. With something like this, the challenge is like limitless. The challenge is actually coming up with those initial ideas. So Spooks in fourth series, they're happy with the palette that they've got, and so you can keep pushing that back. And Spooks is phenomenal because you get to do nine-minute chase sequences, which is unheard of on British TV. You know, nine-minute chase sequences, it is like a film. We had Michael Caton Jones, who did director of Memphis Bell and Basic Instinct 2 and stuff. He did the first couple last year. You, know, you get to work with these great directors, um, but they know roughly what palette it is because the show's got a kind of sonic style, which I came up with. Whereas, again, Limitless, you're starting from scratch. And that's the buzz, but it's also where you're absolutely scared shitless as a composer is the fact that, okay, well, here, you're putting yourself out there. This is what I think suits your film. Please, God, like it. You know, or if they don't, it doesn't mean you're a bad composer. It just, does, it just means that you're not necessarily suited to that project. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the fantastic buzzes about being a composer is when they actually say, you know what, you've nailed that, which uh, is, as I say, what happened in this, you know, after a day and a, day and a half and they loved it. And you're like, my God, that's great. I totally got it. They totally got it. And it means that the rest of the project is an awful lot easier then because you're heading down the same direction. Uh, have you ever been uh, rejected from a film because it just didn't match the style? Or My first ever project, it wasn't a film actually, it was a TV project. Uh-huh. But I, again, I've been working with some bands and I'm, I didn't really have that much experience uh-huh. to do with scoring stuff and as you gradually find out, there is a great big technique in scoring stuff. It's not just bunging music on left, right, and center. So, yeah, I've been working with this band, uh, Astrid. They're a Scottish band. And got Willie and Charlie and the two guys from the band to come and do some guitars on it and stuff. And it was a really bandy soundtrack, and I really liked it. And then they ended up actually doing a classical soundtrack, so I clearly wasn't the right person for it. <laughs> but that was my first and only time so far, and I'm sure the next one's probably just around the corner. <laughs> Did, did you write? Did you write any music for it before they said no? No. <laughs> uh, I I wrote about two songs for it, and they said no. It's really not a song version that we wanting. You know? <laughs> so what do you do with that music? Do you keep it like save it in your pocket, or you just completely throw it away? Oh, I think we ended up using that on some other. I think we quite like the songs. I think we ended up it was published by EMI, so oh. they ended up using it probably on some syncs here and there kind of thing, uh. but. It wasn't. It wasn't my proudest work, so I'm, I'm fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not completely arrogant about that one. That's fine. Um, I guess I should have asked you this earlier, but uh, growing up, did you have any favorite composers, or you know, what kind of music did you listen to uh, growing up that made an imprint on you? I am a total weirdo when it comes to music. I listen to such an eclectic kind of thing. Uh-huh. I've got a really eclectic taste. I mean, 
mum, as I say, she's a piano teacher, an amazing flautist, so she listened to a lot of jazz and a lot of classical stuff, mm-hmm. um, with a bit of ABBA thrown in for good measure. Um, for me personally, I mean, the film stuff, I, I just always love Morricone. I love Bernstein, um, yeah, and some of his stuff, yeah, the chord structures, the rhythms, the beats, so I love those kind of mashes. Mm-hmm. And then, similarly, you know, I loved kind of ACDC, I loved some really kind of rock stuff. And I remember that was my first gig, was actually going off to an ACDC gig, which is bizarre, because I'm not really into the heavy metal kind of stuff. Right, right. But having yeah. said that now, <laughs> you're starting to get all the rock guitars coming back into your soundtrack. So you see where it all comes into. Yeah, yeah. And then, similarly, you know, when I started working with bands, it was all quite indie underground bands that I was doing string arrangements for. Mm-hmm. But then the 60s style of Nancy Sinatra and the Hazelhurst arrangements, the Lee Hazelhurst bands and stuff. It was So it's this real kind of eclectic kind of taste. I just... I love listening to different sorts of music. I don't get enough time now, yeah. um, which is, in, in one way it's bad, in another way it's good because it means that you're not actually nicking anyone's ideas. Uh-huh. Um, like genuinely, I think that is such a problem now because you've only got a certain amount of time to actually do a soundtrack. Uh-huh. And if you listen to the temp music more than once, you've had it because all of a sudden you've got that soaked in your head and because you haven't got time to really get cracking on it, uh-huh. Um, and experimenting with sounds, that's always going to be the last thing in your head. So you try and avoid it like the plague, unless you're really in deep, it sticks in the middle of the night and you can't get hold of the director and trying to see what they were trying to achieve with that mm-hmm. cut is quite helpful for that. But other than that, just ignore it. Because so, if you start... So you hate, I, I, you hate temp music? It has its, it has its purpose. I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the problem is, it's when people become in love with it and you can understand why editors and directors and producers get used to it because they've seen the cut a hundred times but it's the bane of a composer's life because all of a sudden it's just like can we have a little bit more like that can we have a little bit more like that and it's like well why don't you go and license that track because that's not in the same palette as my soundtrack Um, and it's again not in an arrogant way at all but it's like if you've got a soundtrack which is say it's electronic and they suddenly want an orchestral track in there it's like well why do you want it is it because you're used to it with the cut or is it because you actually think it achieves something with those mm-hmm. visuals? Because if you think it achieves something, you should go and license it. Right. If it's just because for you, you're used to it, have a bit of faith in me, and, you know, go for it and let me score it in the same way that you know, I've scored the rest of your movie. Mm-hmm. Does it, does it affect, you know, because I mean, when you're editing, when editors are editing to a temp track, I guess they're editing to certain, you know, beats and rhythms and the timing. So does it have to affect the way you compose a track? Like I have to fit the certain, the way this, uh, seen as timed in terms of cuts and edits you know does that affect you and how you have to write it now it affects it in the sense that if it's a total beat-tastic track uh-huh. then you've got to get the BPMs roughly the same uh-huh. but for example on Limitless uh, the editor Tracy who took over from this girl Naomi um, who often had twins so we had two editors on it uh-huh. um, but what was really good about it was they were editing until so late in the day mm-hmm. that he would actually then start cutting to my music as it would be kind of fed through to him, uh-huh. which was fantastic. Because yeah, it's just tightening up by a frame here or a frame there. Right. And it meant that some of the cuts are absolutely spot on. Whereas there are other moments where, for me, I'm just trying to get the hits left, right and centre because it's not a, a beaty kind of soundtrack in a lot of it. It's very soundscapey stuff, which meant that when the hits are coming as he's tripping out, for example, I had to get it really, really spot on. Or for some of them, I actually wanted to achieve not spot on mm-hmm. so that you're again getting this really edgy feel so you're not being soaked up as the music. And one of the things that Neil said time and time again was, 
I don't want people tapping their feet. I want them to start tapping their feet and then be taken out of that. Uh-huh. So he's done really chopping about with the beats and chopping about with the paces. So there's a, there's a scene where he's searching for drugs in a flat and it's the most mucked up music I've ever done. I spent ages programming up the drums. Mm-hmm. Real kind of mishmash, kind of like an uncle vibe kind of thing. Um, where you really, really distorted all the beats, never quite 4-4 kind of, you never quite just get that tapping your foot. And I think that was it. So it leaves you feeling really off kilter by the end of the film because you never had a chance just to sit back and go, oh yeah, this is a nice track now, bum, 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 bum. Um, well, I guess to uh, I guess wrap things up, I always like to ask composers, uh, if you had the opportunity to rescore any movie in the history of a film, with no disrespect to the original composer, what, what movie would you pick? What would you like to try and take a shot at? Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of death threats. Um, just, so like, just, just like well, something that you would love to try your, you know, your style at. You know, it's weird. Like, you, look at, you look at some soundtracks and you think, and again, no disrespecting any composer, mm-hmm. and because similarly it might not be what they wanted to do. Right. And you kind of think, ah, oh, you know, that's just, it's, dis- it's detracting from the film for me. There are other soundtracks which, for example, I love Lost in the Mohicans, I think is a fantastic soundtrack. It's great, yeah. Dora, you get the chance to really bring out your themes and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And again, it's not often these days that you get a chance to really develop themes. Mm-hmm. So you know, you've got two sides of it. You can either say, well, I'd love to score something like the Mohican, uh-huh. Lost in the Mohicans, <laughs> but that's certainly not disrespecting you know, his music at all because it's absolutely fantastic. In fact, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it there. I'm not dissing anyone. Okay. Lost in the Mohicans, I'd love to rescore, but it would never be as good as his soundtracks. There's no point in even trying. <laughs> that's what you're getting from me. All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. That's okay. <laughs> um... But I guess that's all I have, and I just, you know, uh, thank you so much for doing this. It's a great pleasure to uh, chat it up, so thank you so yes, much. Yes, it's my absolute pleasure. It's just nice to actually speak to people that like filmies, and it's so refreshing. It's, it's one of the things as well that, is, since coming over to L.A., mm-hmm. it's been really great just being able to chat to people that have just got a passion for music, whether mm-hmm. it's music supervisors, whether it's directors, people with such a knowledge. And, you know, it's, it's the same in the U.K. as well. There are a lot of people there about it, but never seem to actually... It's not the kind of thing you would discuss like over a pint or over a coffee or whatever. Right. Whereas I just love the whole passion for kind of music, whether it's film music, whether it's bands, whether it's whatever. It's just uh-huh. such a crossover going on. I think it's such an exciting time to be a composer of all sorts at the moment. <laughs>